Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be taking a deeper look at power metal resources. And we're going to be doing that through the format of a Q&A session with their CEO, Paul Johnson. Paul, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So, Paul, you presented last week at the UK Investor Magazine virtual conference. So anybody listening to this and would like to go back and watch the full presentation, do check out the notes to this podcast, as well as looking at the video section on the UK Investor Magazine website, we'll be able to see that full presentation. But what we're going to do today, Paul, is we had some very good questions from the audience last week. And unfortunately, due to time constraints, we weren't able to answer them all. So that's what we're going to do today. So we've got a good number of questions here. So before we get into that, Paul, people that aren't familiar with Power Metal resources that are listening to this, could you just give us a brief introduction to Power Metal and we'll get into the questions? Yeah, sure. Power Metal Resources is an aim-listed company. It has ticker POW. We've uh, spent the last three or four years assembling a portfolio of largely district-scale exploration interests across the, the globe, focused on safe jurisdictions, North America, Africa and Australia. And really the premier exploration and mining jurisdictions. We've known for some time, I think most investors will uh, understand this, that the junior resource sector has been undervalued, projects have been undervalued, and the best time to buy anything is when it's cheap. Uh, and the best time to divest of anything uh, is when the market is in a boom phase. So our business has two arms. Uh, one uh, is to take some of our projects that we've accumulated and spin them out, dispose of them either into their own IPO vehicles or through outright disposals to third parties. Uh, and also to have a, a core set of exploration projects that we take forward ourselves uh, as our exploration portfolio. So we're quite a way down the road now uh, in terms of uh, seeing that business model implemented. We have a number of IPOs in process. We've already achieved a couple of disposals and we have across our exploration interest that we are retaining some quite advanced and positive findings. Fantastic. Thank you, Paul. So, Let's now get into the questions. So these are in no particular order. I think these are just in the order that they were delivered during the presentation last week. So we're going to get started here with a question from Richard, who asks, what is your end goal for power metal resources and your time frame to achieve it? Uh, okay, uh, I think uh, my end goal is... Uh apart from the fundamentals of running any kind of business like this, which is to do a good professional job, uh, to have a good focus on uh, the environmental, social governance side of the business and to look after the people in our company and the people with whom we engage. Our focus is uh, to make money. That's the only reason that shareholders buy our shares. I would like people to make a considerable return from Power Metal uh, over the next few years. I would say the timescale for us as a business, well, it goes in waves in the resource space. I think we should be looking uh, to see significant value crystallization in the next 12 months across the portfolio. 
which will drive the price of our shares higher. I think thereafter, for the next two or three years, I'm expecting we'll see quite a resource boom, particularly in the critical mineral space. And that will provide further valuation uplifts for ourselves and for our investee companies, where we hold positions in other companies. Uh, and that will give us, uh, not in the not too distant future, the opportunity to, uh, to uh, well, I hope, pay uh, significant dividends out to holders uh, of, of our shares. Now, ultimately... Uh, we're in the business where at some point there will be a major parabolic move in the junior resource sector, as there tends to be in these cycles. And at that point, uh, it's difficult to predict what the outcome will be. Probably quite dramatic capital gains, one would hope, but potentially uh, disposals of significant parts of our business or the entire business if the time uh, and the opportunity is right. Uh, so uh, quite how long this all goes on for, I don't know. I saw someone uh, referencing a 10-year uh, uh, resources boom. Uh, well, maybe. And if so, uh, it will be very happy people over the next few years. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you, Paul. So moving on to the next question here from Patrick. Um, Patrick asks, could you please try to give some indication of when further news may be coming on the Tati project? Uh, he says it'd be really interesting to see if further drilling slash sampling is planned for the central zone to give an indication if gold may be spread along the whole license area. Yes, of course. Now, we uh, with some of these questions, in inevitably, it, I will have to give the we can only release this via RNS. And with regard to absolute specifics on projects uh, and, and other uh, matters, we've got to be careful what we say. But I can say that Tati, as per the RNS released, is something uh, that we want to accelerate as a project. We uh, are looking at the precise steps we want to take on that. It's very much in process, so I don't think it will be very long before we uh, we get some further updates to market. I think that's perfectly reasonable to say. And you're absolutely right there. The, the central area of that eight-kilometre-long gold in soil anomaly at the Tati project in Botswana is a, a big you know, potential win for us. Of course, we think, you know, we're going to see that mineralization. Otherwise, we wouldn't do the work. We also uh, think there is potential in other ways to increase the value of that project. But it is a, a very large, very large golden soil anomaly uh, and uh, quite an exciting project for the business. Lovely, lovely. So moving on now, Paul, to a question from Stephen. Now, he's referring back to an announcement that was made on the morning of the, of the presentation. So he said today it was announced that whole T1-3 uh, had visible nickel sulfides. Is this the first time that visible sulfides have been found? And if so, does that mean previous holes are not as significant for nickel? So Paul, maybe if you can give us a bit of uh, you know, background to what that that, that question with the, and the project relates to as well. Um, yes, yeah, sure. And, and uh, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the first time uh, that uh, uh, sulfides and uh, nickel sulfides have been found. It's across uh, uh, not just uh, you know T one three target, uh, and uh, we we have to be very careful in terms of what we put out to the market. Uh, we, we're particularly cautious when we're still in the process of uh, analysing core, whether that's technical review or whether that's, uh, you know, the assay test themselves or whether we're waiting for downhole geophysics uh, findings and all that kind of thing. And this is quite a dramatic scale project, 1,723 square kilometers of ground with uh, four 
uh, drill target locations, 2,600 meters of drilling, the kind of program your typical junior won't do. Instead, they'll go around and do a bit of rock chip sampling because it's very low cost and easy work and can be quite high impact uh, when they release, you know, interesting grades. So for, for us, we want to keep the market informed, but we have to do so to a degree with a bit of control. The assay tests themselves ultimately will be, you know, a, a significant piece of news. Uh, the uh, downhole geophysics uh, findings, the uh, the drill court review, all of these things are important elements. We're trying to do this in a coordinated and cohesive manner. So, yeah, we, we're absolutely pleased to have more than one location where we've seen the sulfides that are, are targeted. And that's quite surprising, given that we've only done, uh, I think, uh, seven holes effectively into this uh, it's a very substantial uh, project. We're certainly on the right lines. Uh, that I can, I can say, and we're very, very enthused and emboldened as we push forward with the work. Thank you. Thank you. So moving on now is a question from Paul, um, who says the exploration we are doing... It's great, but it's not being transferred into an increased share price. However, we are burning through capital. How do you hope to combat raising more working capital if their share price has not increased? As another raising at this level would be unpalatable for shareholders and yourselves. A bit of a statement there, but also a question wrapped up. So any comments on that, please, Paul? Well, it's, it's funny because uh, I, I get that comment targeted as it were to me because uh, I've got 4.7% of the company, the largest uh, shareholder at the moment. And, uh, you know, we, yeah, I'm absolutely comfortable with, with the business, its direction from operational levels uh, in terms of exploration and also corporate activity. Uh, I know the market's horrible and difficult, uh, I've also been in this space 15 years. I understand that pricing doesn't always run with the success of the business. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can have phases where you do months and months of work and uh, fantastic outcomes from that work and nothing happens on the price or it goes down. Uh, but I do hold the fundamental belief that from my experience, it's not just belief, it's actual experience, that a, a good company doing good work and investing properly in exploration will see its valuation adjust to reflect that. It just might not happen simultaneous with the uh, with the news flow. With regard to financing of the business, understandably, uh, you know, we're, I'm switched on with that particularly as a private investor over the years. I've seen some pretty horrendous financings undertaken by companies. And in general terms, it's it's because their business models are not great. They, you know, they don't engage the market. There isn't a lot of support for them. So they get bucket shop finance uh, deals. We're building towards a situation where we're effectively self-financed with the assets that we're creating on the balance sheet. And as we've built to that, and as we build to that, you know, if we need to get money from the market, we've always been able to do so on reasonable terms and uh, relatively comfortably, in fairness. I'm not wishing to be, you know, too uh, easy about the challenges facing many companies in financing themselves. We, we've always been able to deal with that quite comfortably. Uh, and so I expect that that situation will continue. Uh, we have quite a, a significant balance sheet already. Uh, we publish every three months our, uh, you know, cash listed investment position. We uh, give people full breakdowns of all of our uh, tradable assets, as it were, uh, and what might be coming up in terms of disposals and spin out IPOs so that people can see our finance building. Uh, but I will never 
as CEO, want to run a, a boring, stagnant business that doesn't invest in itself and it, in its team through uh, the work that we do and having proper work undertaken. Uh, we've had multiple drill programs this year, and next year we will have, I'm absolutely sure, multiple drill programs. Uh, and uh, the results that we're getting from our work uh, have been fantastic. So why not continue? Fantastic. Thank you. So a question here from Zafar. Um, it's going back to the Tati project, Paul, but Zafar asks, um, Tati RC holes are limited to circa 50 metres. Are we now planning to go deeper to see what lays beneath? And do we have any EM surveys to support deeper drilling? Right. OK, so again, just got to be a little careful here with, uh, you know, uh, we, we we obviously have been looking at this for a little while uh, since we made the last Tati announcement. So we do uh, have the, the plans, as it were, that are formulating. Can't really be absolutely specific, but I think it's fair to say that uh, whilst our initial priority has been uh, looking at this near-surface mineralization, which is absolutely key. You get high-grade and bonanza-grade in some cases, gold intersections, very near-surface. In a property where there was a former working mine, Cherished Hope, over an eight-kilometre-long golden soil anomaly uh, with processing facilities uh, really, really close by, uh, then, you know, it's, it, it, it makes a project... Uh, very, very attractive, that shallow mineralization and the capability to process. Now then you go on to the next level and say, well, at deeper levels, what might there be? And of course, it would be logical to test deeper. So that would go almost without saying, and that is something that uh, I think you can expect us to do, as any sensible exploration company would do with this type of opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. So... Moving on to a question now from Navjeet, who asks, and, and, and again, an observation, uh, news on the various IPOs has been thin and, and understandably. Surely you aren't waiting for the market to turn before launching? Oh, right. I think we actually, I think we, we, uh, I think we may have answered the last question during the uh, during the presentation <laughs> question and this one as well. But uh, no, let's 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 cover it because not everyone yeah. will have chance to watch the uh, presentation. <laughs> the uh, the news on the ground has been thin. That is one of the slightly unusual uh, sides to uh, when you're preparing a listing. You've got to uh, you're preparing uh, a document, uh, and that document is the. Uh, the legal uh, market, as it were, contractual document uh, that you would list on a prospectus or an admission document, they're called. And uh, you have to do a number of things. One is you, you can't do uh, extensive work that will lead to that document changing at the last minute uh, because then it all has to be done again. Not all of it, but lots of it. You, you have to be cautious. The, uh, the exchanges, uh, I think understandably, uh, don't want people trumpeting listings before they've happened. And so you have to be a little bit cautious in terms of what you say about, you know, where you're going and uh, what your plans are, because ultimately you are waiting for a permission to list on an exchange as well. And that comes in right at the end of the process. So workflows can be uh, a little slowed. Uh, news flows are very cautious as you're in that uh, kind of listing stage. 
fortunately for our listings with uh, Golden Metal Resources, we've put out, and it's been validated, quite a, a significant amount of information for people, talking about the Pilot Mountain Tungsten Deposit in Nevada and uh, Golconda, the gold property uh, targeting Carlin uh, style gold mineralization and uh so there's a lot for people to to see about these businesses as we go into that you know the final stages of of listing uh with regard to timing on listing uh, as i said during the evening the other day you, if if a market was in such a uh, terrible phase that uh, no one supported anything uh which, you know, from happens in all markets from time to time, you would be a bit off your head if you tried to go and do a listing at that precise point in time. So there is an element of timing with this. Uh, as with, uh, you know, most of the time, I would say, if you've got a good proposition, you can get listings away. But we would be cognizant of that. Uh, gold and metal, uh, the, the, the first uh, vehicle, we, we have spent some time doing some quite complex corporate work with the uh, restructuring of, of redundant Australian subsidiaries to uh, simplify the structure, amongst other things. Uh, and we are looking to push ahead as soon as we can. But I, I think it's a fair point to say if the market was so horrendous and you uh, felt it was appropriate to pause, you would do it. That would be logical. I'm not saying we are or we have. I'm just saying it would be a logical thing to do. Thank you. So we've got a question now, Paul, from Ian, who asks, what is the process for determining if Malopo is a commercial discovery? Oh, right. Well, I mean, it depends very much on the outcome of the exploration work as we as we go along. It depends on uh, the, uh, you know, the corporate structure, as it were, behind the, uh, the project. At the moment, it's held... Uh, circa 88% by Power Metal Resources and 12% by uh, other shareholders who didn't sell their interest to us uh, recently. And, uh, of course, you know, if you had uh, other parties involved with the project, it can change the way that the project would push forward. I've always believed we do things in a disciplined and proactive and accelerated fashion. Uh, so our focus at the moment is completing this drill program. We are coming up to Christmas. We're trying our best. And uh, and then getting the results processed as quickly as possible. Very large exercise, 2,600 metres of core to analyse. Get the assay test done, get the results back, and get all the various technical elements analysed as quickly as possible. And then we decide what the next step is uh, based on all that information. So it's literally one step at a time. Uh, it is a big project. Uh, the, uh, the working involved is quite immense, uh, but we're really getting through it now. So uh, I'm very uh, buoyed up. What I will do, though, and it's a good question, this, is I will make sure that in our announcements, uh, when we're talking about the results, we're absolutely clear what our plans are going forward. Thank you. So moving through the questions now, Paul, we've got a, got a few left here, which are a little bit shorter. So there's one here from James who asks, what's the latest cash position and when do you anticipate the next cash raise? 
Okay, so this is one of those where you have to be very careful. Uh, most companies jealously guard their financial position, and we don't really. We put it into our quarterly uh, business updates so people can see exactly uh, where we are in terms of our balance sheets, uh, our cash, our listed investments, and so on. Uh, but we are not allowed, unless it's within RNS, to quote specifics on uh, cash positions or on uh, you know financings and that kind of thing. I will say this though, that as the largest shareholder in the business, I'm comfortable with how we have financed our company. Uh, I'm comfortable with our approach on this. And uh, I think there's enough evidence in the tank now, surely for people to see that we've been very uh, shareholder protective with regard to the way we've uh, raised money uh, in the past. And that as a policy, uh, you know, is something that uh, I think is virtuous, positive uh, for everybody involved. Thank you. So we've got, we've got a question here from Henry who asks, which project do you think has the most potential to be a blockbuster? Well, thank you, Henry, for that. Henry <laughs> is the name of my 10-year-old son. And he's into blockbusters too. <laughs> and uh, I think we have five or six or seven uh, within our business that I look at and I go, you know, if we just had that one interest in our company and if we were allowed the privilege of being able to focus our marketing and our communications on that one interest, A, we would probably have a bigger market cap than we do today for the entire lot. But don't worry, that's a temporary phenomenon. Uh, and the portfolio model will really come into its own uh, soon enough. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and B, uh, I think... If we had, uh, if we, if you take almost any of our strategic project interests, uh, Pilot Mountain, Nevada, USA, Health with GM, Golden Metal, Athabasca Basin, what we're looking to build in lithium, what we've achieved with, uh, you know, Malopo, uh, with Tati, uh, over in Australia, the package with First Development and the Walal project and the CELTA project, Victoria Goldfields in Australia, you can literally pick. You know, any of these and uh, Henetti, even, you know, uh, we haven't talked about much. It's a shame. Uh, you know, great project opportunity. Uh, and we would have quite considerable momentum as, as a business. Now, we haven't gone down for the one shot approach. And to a certain extent, that means our message is a bit diluted sometimes. People, you know, have one piece of news, then on to the next. And we're trying to control that to a degree. But we have so much in this business that could deliver that major discovery or major commercial event or major partner that, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't expect it will be one that does it for us. I think it will be multiple, if I'm honest. Thank you, Paul. So just moving on to the last question now from James, who asks, are you planning on investing into any other companies and would further exposure impact on Power's core operations? Yeah, great question. Uh, as a policy, no, not really, because uh, not really investing into other companies. Very selectively, maybe, if there's a very clear reason for it. We're not an investing company, we're an operator. We may be creating investments from our operations, but that's just part of our business model. Our main thrust is to get discoveries, major corporate events across our business. It's not to do small you know, investments in, in in, in other organizations uh 
I, I think it's important that we default to core and we, as we, as the disposals of parts of our business to create balance sheet value, turning projects, uh, project uh, positions into investments. As that process happens, I think we need to increasingly focus our core operations on certain exploration projects. And we're kind of telling the market, well, we've told the market that we're focusing on Malopo, on Tati, on the Athabasca, uh, uh, you know, uranium or uranium properties. Uh, there may well be, a, you know, another one that we start to focus on a bit more as we move forward, but we, we are really starting to narrow down uh, our business. I, I am building towards, if possible, a very large balance sheet uh, of built of investments and cash on one side, and then on the operational side, a number of projects that we are dramatically well-funded and financed to take forward uh, at some considerable pace. And I think we're, we're pretty well down the track on that. That's fascinating, Paul. Thank you. So that's that's all of the questions there. So thank you very much for everybody that attended the virtual conference last week to deliver those questions to Paul. Um, and as you mentioned there, Paul, there were some projects that um, you know, there weren't any questions focused on there. So do check out, if you're listening to this and you want to know a little bit more about Power Metal Resources, do check out the notes of this podcast and check out the full presentation that Paul gave last week at the virtual investor conference. So, Paul, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you very much. So, yeah, that was Paul Johnson, CEO of Power Metal Resources. Thank you very much for everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.